Hey, 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 and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Show. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe, and I'm joined with Matt Wispy, and I'm sure you all remember him from last year. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be a part of the show again this year. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. This is the first time I've got to chat with you so far this season. How was your summer? That was good. I uh, I bought a new house, got moved into that, and now I'm uh, starting to feel a little bit settled in here. Well, that's good. That's always good. Where are you living now? Uh, I'm in Cincinnati. So you're you're still close enough that you can feel the heartbeat of all things Buckeye Nation? Yeah, pretty much. That's I wasn't leaving the state. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, I, I also just moved. I moved to Colorado from Seattle, so it was a little bit further of a trek. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. It was um, it was good though. It's it's good to be be out here in Colorado. It's it's a lot of fun. A lot more sunshine than what we were what I was used to up in Seattle. So definitely not complaining about that. It's not raining every day there. <laughs> no, not yet. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll feel. Uh, I might feel a little different when it gets you know to be snowing and cold every day, and I'll be wishing that it was you know just temperate like Seattle can be. But for right now, it's been awesome. I, uh, I've been getting out a lot doing hiking and I, I told myself when I moved out here, like I wanted to be more active and do more stuff. So I joined a college, I'm not a college. I wish I joined a flag football league down in Boulder and, um, I just thought it would be awesome. But like, so I'm like 36 years old. So I'm by no means uh, a young man anymore. And, uh, I was playing with a bunch of like 18 and 20 year olds and I was like, Oh, this is awesome. This is fun. I was exhausted after like five minutes. But anyway, we're playing for like three hours, right? And I got through it and we're finally done. And I texted my wife. I was like, hey, I made it. I didn't get injured. This was awesome. And she was like, oh, great. And we were going to meet up at a restaurant. And um, she's like, hey, we're running late. So uh, we'll be there in like 30 minutes. And I thought, oh, I've got 30 more minutes I can play. And so, of course, I go out to like catch a ball. And the guy throws the ball. Perfect pass. But the defender like barely tips it. And it reroutes the ball. And it hits my thumb. And I tore a ligament in my thumb it was, it was so terrible so i'd made it through the three hours without like pulling a hamstring and then i tear a ligament in my thumb and now i have a cast on my hand like a real moron so i learned my lesson not to play football anymore i mean yeah that'll get you <laughs> yeah awkward pass yeah it was it was terrible so yeah i was so proud of myself for not getting injured and then that happened i was like oh fantastic so that was my summer it's uh I mean, it's been great that's better than my athletic accomplishments, which is uh, chasing around. I just started coaching five-year-old soccer. Oh, nice. Um, which I don't know if you've ever uh, watched a five-year-old soccer game, but it's um, just watching a pack of like kids run around a ball all the time. Oh, yeah. There's no such thing as formation. There's no such thing as uh, actual soccer. So as someone who played soccer for 18 years of my life, it's, uh, killing me because I can't say anything. (laughs) Right. Uh, but it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun there. And, uh, I have managed to almost get injured in every one of the practices. So that's, (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. My, my kids played soccer and, um, yeah, the five-year-old one is, is a lot of fun. It's like just running around in circles, chasing the ball, like you said, I'd be the guy on the sideline, like trying not to say anything, like don't say anything. They're having fun. That's all that matters. But yeah, my competitive spirit comes out too much. Yeah, I get that. I have one kid that always tries to come up and tell me the score, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I know, but I, I can't say that out loud. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, let's get into the show here. Before we get started, though, uh, Matt, you, you were on board with the Road of His College Football Show last year. Do you want to let the audience know what they can expect uh, on a weekly basis? 
Uh, it should be a pretty similar experience to last year. Um, Kyle Pollock, who was the host of the show last year, did have to step away because he's fulfilling his duties at, on the Penn State. He works with the Penn State football team. So he's getting the insiders look into Penn State, and he couldn't. Uh, they didn't want him bringing all that information to us. So Jordan will be back on a uh, semi-regular basis. I think he and I may end up switching every other week. But then it'll be two of us, potentially three of us some weeks, and we'll still be going down weekly recaps and then we'll uh, hit up some of the more interesting games from the next week. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'd love to get some listener engagement too. So be sure to, to tweet at us, uh, email the show, all that good stuff. We want to we hear from you guys as well. Uh, speaking of Twitter, uh, Matt, tell everyone where they can find you real quick. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WispyTheKid. Uh, that's W-I-S-P-E-Y. I threw a Y on there for some reason. So, Well, otherwise people don't know if it's like Wispa or something. It's helpful. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, and you can find me at Stay Fun Laco. That's like S T A Y F U N L A K O. Stay Fun Laco. And yeah, let us hear from you. We love to uh, to uh, interact with you guys and, and hear what you guys are thinking. But yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can also expect pretty much every week to be hearing at least when Matt's on. You can hear a little bit about the Buckeyes, and I'll probably bore you to death with Oregon Ducks football talk because I just can't help it. Justin Herbert is a is a beautiful, beautiful man, and I'd like to talk about it. I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, But before we get started and before we look into what took place over the weekend, I just want to remind you that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all of your fantasy football questions. Patronships start at just $5 per month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of the 40 podcasts for only $5. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron Patreon today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access to premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high quality, industry leading programming. Speaking of exclusives, as a loyal listener, you can get 30% off of Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available on the NFL Podcast homepage rotaviz.com backslash podcast and the season's almost here or just got started this week anyway so you want to make sure that you're ready gain unlimited access to all of our nfl content and tools so you get an amazing value and support the podcast all in one once again that's rotaviz.com backslash podcast all right now let's get into some of the games now i was really frustrated i just flew i had to fly into seattle for the weekend and i was flying back yesterday and i made sure to book a ticket um, on a flight that had like live TV on it so I could just watch all the games and I was so mad I sat on the flight and those two hours I was staring at a blank back of the seat in front of me because there was no screen and so I was very frustrated so I did miss out on a little bit of the uh, the week's action but I got I got to catch most of it which was awesome and we had some really exciting games especially on the early slate one of the games that was, at least it took me by surprise, maybe not too surprising, was the Arizona at Houston game. Matt, what what were your takeaways from that one? Um, I'm just mad at Kevin Sumlin. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because Khalil Tate was the most fun player to watch in all of college football, and he's ruined him, and I don't understand why. For some reason, he's no longer running the ball. He threw it, I think, 45 times. Yeah. Just get back to what he does. Let him run. Let him just be creative with the ball in his hands. But for some reason, Kevin Sumlin, even though he had Johnny Manziel and should be used to this kind of player, just decided he was going to ruin fun and joy. Yeah, I think he he had seven rushing attempts for eight yards on the day. I mean, he had a touchdown, which is lovely. But, I mean, 
I, I, I was with you. I think I, I tweeted at you, make, make Tate great again. But, um, man, it's, it's been, it's been so sad. I, it almost was like Derek King and him switched jerseys for the day because he was balling out. I mean, he, he threw for four touchdown passes. He was moving well and he looked, I mean, Houston looked really, really good. And man, Ed Oliver is an absolute beast on the D line for Houston. I was really impressed by him. Yeah, Ed Oliver is pretty much the one guy who I'm willing to listen to the conversation about as the other guy for the top pick. I mean, my heart's obviously, I still think Nick Bosa's the guy next year, but Ed Oliver's a freak. And he's, when he's on the offensive line, if he's not getting doubled, then he's in the backfield. Right. He he had a couple plays where he it just looked like he was toying with people. He would just either do a stunt or just bull rush and get right through the offensive line and just be so disruptive. I mean, he didn't have like a huge stat line for the game but he was when he was in there he was just disrupting everything yeah he he's one of those guys that he doesn't necessarily have to get to the quarterback or make the tackle to affect every single thing going on in the play what do you think going forward someone's going to do about Tate because clearly he he knows what he has he saw this guy last year do you think he's going to try to adjust his game plan going forward or do you think he's just going to try to force you know, force this, this action that we really don't want to see. I mean, my only fear is when you see things like Khalil Tate saying in over the summer, he said, I didn't come to college to run the triple option and just seemed to be voicing this, not, not enjoying the fact that he wasn't throwing. And I, I'm just afraid that he's going to try and continue to push him to be a passer. And I mean, he's not a terrible passer, but he basically was 50% completion percentage yesterday. And, I mean, he only threw for 1,500 yards last season. I hope Sumlin just set, says to him, like, if you want to win football games, we're going to have to do it with your legs. And I don't know. <laughs> I wanted them to be fun this year. And, they, they, I mean, yesterday was sad. Yeah, oh, yeah, I totally agree. And you look at you look at the Pac-12, it's it's not the, – the defenses aren't as suspect as, as they have been in the past. And so I think – if they try to do this drop back pass thing with Tate, it could be a real problem for them. Um, I mean, we saw we saw Arizona State shut down Michigan State last night, and yeah. I think, I mean, I think it could be a, a long, long season for Sumlin and company if they if they don't try to adjust. But you know, assuming rational coaching decisions isn't always uh, the the right way to go. They've got two kind of cupcakey games next, so hopefully they make the most of it and get back to what they were good at. Yeah, I I certainly hope so. Would you now? Would you be willing? Speaking of cupcakey, would you be willing to roll Tate out in any sort of DFS lineup? Would you have the stones for that? Because no. I wouldn't. <laughs> no, and I was. Uh, it's kind of funny. I, I jumped back into the college fantasy world again this year, and he was one of the guys that initially I was targeting in the first round, right? Because it's super flex, and I'm really happy I missed out on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. Although, I mean, he did he did throw 341 yards. I mean, he, yeah. he did get some some miles there. But yeah, he he's nothing that nothing like what we were hoping for. Absolutely. Another game that I I really enjoyed. Now living living just outside Boulder, it's a lot of fun. Um, did you catch any of the Colorado Nebraska match uh, game match? Listen, oh I'm man, still talking I, soccer. <laughs> I was I was actually locked into that game because over the summer I started hearing about Adrian Martinez. Oh, I was yeah. really excited. And then last week their game got rained out and I was pretty bummed because I was sitting in there tuned in, ready to watch. 
This game was a roller coaster. It started out, I was a little concerned. I, I was surprised Nebraska came out slow, even though Martinez was passing it pretty well. And then they came back, and then Colorado kind of stormed back. And then once you thought, like, oh, this is going to be the moment where either Martinez is going to have this step-up moment and be great and kind of prove that he's going to be one of the good quarterbacks for the next few years, he goes down with the injury. Yeah. And it was just a bummer. Yeah, you could just feel all the air just get let out of that stadium. It was it was palpable. <laughs> Everyone was just like, oh, no, what just happened? But, I mean, Montez looks great. Uh, I mean, you can't argue with someone to come in away with 351 yards passing and three touchdowns. So, credit to Colorado. They might, I mean, the Pac-12 is better than it has been, but I still think there are places where they could jump in and maybe be a sneaky contender. Yeah, and Colorado, I, I kept waiting for them to lose the game. And Adrian Martinez, when he was still in there, he was just taking that edge so fast. I mean, he had 117 rushing yards he had two touchdowns and he was he was able to move the football just down the field and I just kept waiting I was like okay it's over it's over and Colorado they they just kept using these those sneaky little passes out to the flat to Jay McIntyre the coach's son and he just kept getting first downs he got a couple touchdowns and they just kept fighting it was it was a really oh yeah I was really impressed with the with the resolve of Colorado to to stick with it and not give up and then Montez, that, that game-winning touchdown pass to Chenault was really something else. That was really pretty. And what a catch. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it may not have been, like, the high-profile game of the day, but honestly, this that was my favorite game to watch the entire day, other than the injury. Right. And that, that was one of the games that I, I watched, like, the first half, and then the flight was during, like, halftime in the third quarter. So I, I missed the third quarter, but then coming back in that fourth quarter, I— uh, I was sitting on the plane watching on my phone and everyone's getting off and they're like, do you want to go? I'm like, no, no, I'm sitting here. I have to watch this. This is, this is intense. It was, it was just too good. Felt the same way. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I, I hope, and I expect that Colorado is going to have a lot more. I don't think they have the type of team that's going to blow a whole lot of people out, but, but they, they seem to be one that's going to stick in it with most, with most teams, I think. Yeah. I hate to use like, I mean, buzzwordy things, but they were kind of gritty because this was a game they easily could have given up when Martinez started to just kind of take over at moments, and they didn't. And that's, I mean, you kind of want that resolve from a team. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, for all my Colorado neighbors out there listening, um, one one area of concern for them, I would say, was the fact that they were only able to rush the rush the ball for 44 yards. Uh, that's that's going to have to change because. Yeah, you, you you can't you can't just count on on winning a lot of games and you can't run that football. Yeah. But yeah, I expect that's something that they'll they'll look into. I mean, they could be four and zero going into Arizona State because uh, I don't think much of UCLA. So right, there's there's a real chance they'll be sitting in a decent spot. Yeah, but then they've got a rough stretch. And and who knew that 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 could be one of those big Pac-12 games that no one was expecting would be anything, and all of a sudden you're going to have two two pretty pretty good looking teams facing off. And what could have some uh, some Pac-12 implications? So it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. So I will say. So I said this wasn't like the high-profile game of the day that was really exciting. I I kind of think uh, Clemson and Texas A&M will take that mantle because I didn't think Texas A&M was going to stand a chance to even stay within thirty. And I mean, Kellen Mond, credit to him. He he made that a game. Yeah, that was incredible. I. 
the fact that he was able to throw for over 400 yards against Clemson. Um, now, I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Clemson going forward. Their D line is fierce. I'm I'm curious if their secondary is as good as as we're we're thinking it might have been because they uh they were giving up some big big old plays down the field and I'm not sure. I mean, with a D line that ferocious, most quarterbacks won't have a whole lot of time, so it may not matter. Uh, I think I I still like Clemson to make it to the to the playoff, but um yeah, he definitely took advantage of that secondary. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the surprising thing for me when I I I mean, I can't I didn't see enough of this game to give like huge analysis, but looking back on it, it I mean, I really would have thought that that D-line was going to stifle them and it pretty much shut down their running game, but he handled it and made it with enough big plays that they're going to that they were able to hang. I'm mad at Dabo because he hasn't figured out to play the right quarterback, but okay, you're gonna have to elaborate. I am a, I'm all in on Trevor Lawrence uh, for Clemson at this point, and I think they're if they want to blow teams out, he's the one that's gonna score the enough points. Kelly Bryant is a very good quarterback, but he's not special. Trevor Lawrence is special, and they need to get him starting ASAP. So so here's my take, and uh, it's it's a little unorthodox, but I I'm kind of all in on the two quarterback system. I think it's going to work out great for them. I I love the fact that they I mean they're both they're both good at throwing the ball and running the ball. They're both good. Um, like you said, Lawrence can sling it a little bit better, um, and, and Bryant's got a little bit more of the rushing ability. But I love the fact that you put both of them in there who are um, who do have different strengths and and make coaches deal with that all week in preparation. I just think it is such an advantage for Clemson. And I think going forward, um, we're, I mean, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think we're going to see both of them. I think Kelly Bryant probably uh, with his ability to close out that game, I think he's probably going to be the starter for most of the year, but I think we'll see Trevor Lawrence come in and play a fair amount. But, uh, but I kind of like it. I kind of like going with the two quarterbacks and I know like in the NFL, that kind of stuff doesn't really work. But in college, where these guys can only practice so many hours a week and all these rules are in place, I love having all those extra wrinkles, even even if they don't end up using it all the time, just to mess with coaches and just to play play the matchups at times. I mean, you're definitely right. In the college level, there's something to be said about the misdirection. It, it plays a little bit more when you have such a limited amount of practice time. And there is something to be said about on certain weeks, if you are a little concerned about how something looked the week prior, you could really just switch them at any moment in the game. And if you want to just take a more passing driven approach where you're using the guys on the outside, like T Higgins, um, I'm kind of all in on one of their freshmen. They have uh, Justin Ross as a potential guy late in the year. But if you wanted to kind of shift to just pure passing, you throw in Lawrence for an extra like three or four drives during the game. So I think you're probably right. And while I, it pains me to see Kelly Bryant out there when I'm just salivating for um, more opportunities to watch Trevor Lawrence. It's those golden locks, isn't it? It is. I mean, <laughs> I can't lie. Yeah, so. man. But you, you mentioned Higgins. That that reaching grab he had, and then the run after catch was that was baller stuff right there. That was really impressive. I mean, the fact that I, the people there are a lot of people in the country who don't know his name, but most people know who Hunter Renfro is needs right. to change. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you mentioned um, the fact that Texas and A&M just couldn't run the ball. Now, you you wrote a piece about uh, Trevion Williams, the running back for Texas A&M, and he only managed to get 31 yards on 17 attempts, which that's, that's pretty rough. Um, now, Clemson's D-line is super elite, like we mentioned, but um, just an outlook on Williams, uh, not even just for, for this year, but even into the future, uh, potentially NFL. What are, you, what are some of your thoughts about him? I actually really did like Williams. I didn't expect or I didn't expect to like him quite as much as I did, but when I got kind of dug into the numbers on him, his freshman year was really really good. He hit the some of the thresholds that I really look for. He got he averaged more than one reception per game, which when you're looking at these prospects, it's kind of you just want to make sure that they're able to catch the football because right. we're kind of seeing this in the NFL now is if you're one dimensional, you're only going to run it up the middle you're not really going to be anything. Um, And so he improved upon that on his sophomore year. So even though I saw a little bit of regression in his actual rushing numbers during his sophomore year, I was kind of impressed that I saw his reception uh, total go up a little bit and his average yards per reception jump up really close to 10 yards per catch. His efficiency needs to be closer to six yards per carry at this level. And I'd like to see him get to 200 carries. I think this game was just it's unfair to run against this defensive line right. and it sucks. Even the best running backs in the country are going to struggle against it just because they might have three first round picks on this defensive line. And that might be a conservative estimate. Yeah. They, they roll deep too. Like they've got a lot of talent. And when those guys get cycled out, new guys come in and they're just, just as good. Yeah, definitely. Well, he'll, he'll definitely be a guy that we, we keep an eye on as Texas A&M keeps, keeps playing. They have, they've got a rough schedule. Uh, this year, so I I don't know really what to expect from them. Um, I think they'll be in a lot of good games, but I could see them losing a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I think this game kind of proved they're going to be one of those team. They'll probably catch somebody. Like I, it wouldn't shock me if they like upset Mississippi State late in the year, or heck, even if Auburn has kind of a slip up night. It's unfortunate that they play all of their really difficult games on the road. Yeah, so. But like that game against LSU to close out the year might be really fun because you might be looking at an LSU team that is somewhat competitive at that point. And if they proved anything on this game, it's Texas A&M is going to hang in there till the end, and they're really not going to quit. Right. Yeah. And and like we said, Mon looked good. He 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 can move around. I liked Courtney Davis. I thought he had a he had a strong game. He had a good performance. Um, yeah. I think they'll be. I think they'll be an interesting team. Now. A&M couldn't run the ball, but Wisconsin sure could. <laughs> My lord, I was I was watching this game and I think like the first two drives, they were they kept Wisconsin kept like letting Hornibrook th- throw the ball. Like he had like five attempts, he was sacked once and they just weren't moving the ball at all. It's like if I'm Wisconsin, I am running the ball from here on out and I'm not throwing it again. And then what do you know? That's what they did. I think they ended the ended the game with only 11 passes. <laughs> It was unreal. Yeah did did you get a did you get a chance to watch much of it? I actually did tune in a little a little bit of this game just because at one point I saw Wisconsin was losing, right? And I was like, wait, what is happening? They're like Wisconsin's a legitimate top ten team. I don't know if I believe them as top five, but they're a legitimate top ten team. New Mexico's not good. What is going on? And it was that it was they hadn't started giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor yet, and. Once you start giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor, good things happen. That's He's, right. This is saying a lot. In the 2020 class of running backs, which is already looking like it's going to be the greatest thing ever, he might be the best. 
and that's a it's probably the deepest class we'll have seen it'll rival 2016 and 2017 for how good that running back class is and he really does look like the standout right now it's hard to argue 7.7 yards per carry and he did that on 33 carries so there was no wearing down on him so it was crazy impressive yeah, he had a nice season yesterday. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 253 and three touchdowns. Yeah, you you take that. You take that. Yeah. And I mean, even when Taiwan Deal went in there, he he did great too. I mean, he he got close to 60 yards on nine carries. That offensive line, I mean, they're all 330 pounds. They're all six foot three and huge arm reach. They just bully it, people on that line. It is it is going to be tough. It is going to be tough to stop them. They don't let offensive linemen get out of their state. If there's a good offensive lineman prospect in the state of Wisconsin or pretty much anywhere up in the north of the country, they get them. That's right, yeah. And it's been – we're going on probably a decade now of them having the most dominant offensive line maybe outside of Alabama. So, yeah, I mean – I could probably average like two yards per carry behind him, but <laughs> right. put an actual running back behind him, and they're gonna just tear it apart. Yeah, the the one question I have for Wisconsin is: in a game that comes down to the wire, will you be able to trust Alex Hornibrook to get you a big first down? Um, because as great as that offensive line is, there, there's going to be a game somewhere down the stretch where you're going to need him to make some plays and. It'll be interesting to see if he's good enough to do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether that first game... I was really looking forward to Nebraska and them for most of that game against Colorado, but without Martinez, I don't think that'll be much of a challenge. It's probably their first challenge is going to be Michigan. Apologies to Iowa fans out there, but (laughs) it's going to be... It's probably that Michigan game because they really are going to have... They'll be going up against the best defense they'll have seen, and... I mean, I'm not trusting Alex Hornibrook to throw it more than 20 times. So hopefully Jonathan Taylor is able to run. Yeah, and the nice thing is most games they will be able to rely on that formula and they'll be in it. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, uh, I've I, got Wisconsin in my, my playoff. I, I think they're going to do it. Not because I think they're the best team in the, big, in the Big Ten. I just think they have the easiest path and it really comes down to them just needing to win that one game at the end. Um but yeah, I don't feel good about it. That's for sure. That hurts my feelings. I know. It's nothing personal, though. <laughs> no, I, I, if Ohio State isn't the one, I actually think they match up well against the other three Big Ten East contenders. So if it's not Ohio State in the Big Ten championship against them, I think they have a really good chance. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see, for sure. A lot of, a lot of games left. It's always a crazy season, so... So who knows? Speaking of speaking of crazy, that Georgia South Carolina game looked looked real uh, looked real close and competitive for a minute there, and then all of a sudden, man, things escalated quickly. Yeah, I mean it's it's sort of crazy to me that Georgia can is this good, and they. I mean, I don't understand who's going to beat them, and it kind of sucks because I really think we're destined to have two SEC teams in the playoff again, because I don't see anybody beating them until the big 10 or until the uh sec championship game and if they even stay competitive with alabama they're gonna be in it so yeah the the takeaway i got from georgia is they have so much speed on both sides of the ball but their defense whenever even the big plays south carolina got it seemed like it was because they used georgia's speed against them on like this little like a little screen pass or 
Debo throwing a touchdown pass, you know, like it was, it was kind of that misdirection. Um, but George is fast. I mean, Hardman at wide receiver is just looked unstoppable. He, he just looked so much faster than everyone else out there. And it's one of those things, like it's a close game. All of a sudden you take, you flip the channel and come back and it's, it's a blowout almost. And, um, I was, I was surprised at how quickly things got out of hand. When they started fast, I thought it was going to be a blowout. And then I was like, oh, wait, South Carolina's not going anywhere. And then they did. <laughs> yeah, you can't make mistakes against this Georgia team. They're just, I mean, Kirby Smart is proving to just, he may, he, he's going to capitalize on all of them. You get two interceptions from Jake Bentley. The game's just not, it's over at that point. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And uh, like you said, I, I think they're going to be one of those teams that at the end of the year, they're going to be there again. And um, I, I do hope you're wrong. I do not want to see an all SEC. It just um, <laughs> it sucks because I know that like I can't see any Alabama might slip up during the regular season. Like it could happen. I don't see it right now. But if Alabama and them are both undefeated, they're in the SEC championship game, and that game's within ten points. It's so hard for me to see them actually leaving them out. Yeah. No, you're you're probably right about that. And believe me, it bums me out to say as much as anything. So, yeah, I'm sure. Um, well, we had we did have a couple of uh, upsets yesterday. Um, well, and a couple almost upsets. I was so high on Florida State coming into the year. Like I just thought, you know, Francois was gonna get his swagger back. It was gonna be a good year. You know, I'm an Oregon fan, so like I thought maybe Willie Taggart would bring some something to it. And the fact that Sanford almost beat them was just incredible. Florida State was the toughest team in the country to like actually look at this year because you didn't know. Like we had to assume last year was this anomaly that they weren't really this terrible as they showed last season, and then they just came out and laid an egg in week one, and I was, I was really thrown off. I thought that maybe that would like fire them up to come out the next week, but yeah, like no. the, Penn, the Penn State effect where they they got smacked in the mouth almost. They, I mean, Penn State pulled it out, but then they came back this yeah. week. Gangbusters! I thought this. Over, I yeah. thought the same thing was going to happen. Yeah, but <laughs> no, I was. I was quite surprised to see that game was close. So yeah, and I don't then, know. May I? They need someone to keep DeAndre Francois like healthy, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't have much hope right now for them, and that, that's a bummer. But. Yeah, I was. I was hoping they'd be something. I'm not because I like them, just because college football's better when the Seminoles are are relevant. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And, and and kudos to Kentucky uh, beating Florida for the first time since 1986. <laughs> oh man, oh Florida, that was that was pretty pretty upsetting for many people, I'm sure. Um, myself not being one of them. I I actually have to take a couple seconds to talk about this game because my best friend is a uh, Kentucky fan, and he wanted me to mention. Uh, he actually just sent me a text message with Benny Snell with the heart eyes emoji. <laughs> um, Benny Snell really is. Next year's class of running backs isn't great. Benny Snell's going to be the sneaky guy to keep an eye on. He's pretty useful in all areas of the game. He's going to be interesting to keep an eye on when we start coming towards the end of the year because if he's even being projected in that top like two to three rounds of running backs, he could be that one guy that they, either the combine starts to make him look better or all these kind of camps make him look better. Right. Um, and then the second thing of note is – I was really happy to see Terry Wilson bounce back because 
He had his debut game for them last weekend, Central Michigan, and had, I think it was five first-half turnovers. It was a, not a great way for him to come out and start, and he kind of he looked a lot better. Uh, he had showed a pretty big ability to keep the plays alive with his legs, and then I think he added another like 100 yards rushing on top of it, and he made some really nice throws. So I was just happy for Kentucky. That game yeah. is meaningless in the grand scheme of things, but for the like – 11 Kentucky fans out there at least for football right right I'm I'm happy for him (laughs) yeah so a bunch of my buddies so one of my fantasy baseball leagues that I'm in I just uh just lost tonight in the playoffs so RIP but all my buddies from that league are are from Arkansas and they flew up to Colorado um for the Colorado State game I'm sorry (laughs) Colorado (laughs) State looks so so terrible against CU and against Hawaii, I mean, they just couldn't stop anything. And my my buddies just kept texting me, man, I can't wait to watch Arkansas. I can't wait to watch Story just roll up these. And then they just laid an egg. I mean, it was a close game, but man, uh, they were uh, they were all pretty devastated. Uh, so it was a long flight home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like Colorado State. They got some DFS guys. I, I really still... Most weeks, assuming the matchup isn't Colorado level, I'll probably have KJ Carter Samuels in a lot of my DFS lineups now that it's back. And uh, Preston Williams has been a lot of fun since he uh, started out. So there's a chance he could be this year's Michael Gallup, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that. But no, that's a good call though. Uh, were you? You know, you're on the you're you're on the East Coast, so I don't know if you were able to stay up for Michigan State, Arizona State. That was a that. So I did, um, and I I I always kind of I kind of love Sparty. It's like my Big Ten team. I apologize, and oh, um, I would just I just wanted to, I hadn't seen them yet this year. I wanted to see see what they see what they were a lot of people were talking up Lewerke and I was not one who thought he was going to be very good and I think LJ Scott's a little bit overrated so I, I wanted to see them with my own eyes and I was expecting them I I didn't expect them to cover yeah I I, I thought they'd I thought you know they might they'd get the win but they might not beat the spread it was kind of what yeah. I thought night game Arizona State gonna be tough gonna be hot but they'd squeak one out and up until the end there I thought they were going to but man, what what a tough team that Arizona State. Like Eno Benjamin, their running back, he didn't get knocked backwards once. I don't think any time he got hit, he was falling forward and getting an extra one or two yards. They were scrappy, and and Michigan State is usually the one that's the more physical team when when they're on the field. That's what they've got going for them, and that wasn't the case last night. They were getting pushed around, and I was I was super impressed by how physical Arizona State was, and um, as an Oregon fan. I was uh, I was put on notice there because they they look legit and uh, Nikhil Harry their wide receiver is amazing <laughs> he he's something else now he looks the part too he he looks like he's a five year veteran in the NFL like he's got some he's got some pythons he is an impressive impressive human being and I mean he didn't have a huge game but he made some really cl- clutch catches and. Yeah, I was I was impressed. Uh, Manny Wilkins didn't have a very great, a very good game at all. Really, uh, he kept throwing bad interceptions. He couldn't hit anyone. He kept anytime he'd get pressured, he he'd throw a Jake Browning and you know overthrow the ball by about fifteen yards. <laughs> um, but when it came down to it, they were they were able to make it make it work. And they just yeah, like I said, I think the physicality was the big difference in this game. Yeah, I mean, for all the jokes we made this off season about how Herm Edwards how Herm Edwards was coming back to. Uh college football for the first time in 30 years 
this might be as good as Arizona State has looked in 30 years. Yeah, so, I know, I know. I mean, it, credit to him. I, many, I mean, looking at his stat line, I, I can say I, I, I didn't stay up for this game. 380 yards and a touchdown. It's kind of weird he didn't have more than one touchdown with 380 yards, but at the same time, still. And uh, he's been better this year. I mean, he's averaging, I think, 8.6 yards per attempt, so... Maybe Herm Edwards has just walked into a right uh, QB situation because that team's playing better than expected. And a team that doesn't usually make these kind of mistakes in Michigan State definitely, I mean, they shouldn't have won. Yeah. Can't let up 13 points late. No, it was. And, and I mean, I don't know what happened to LJ Scott. He wasn't playing in the second half at all. I don't know if he, what kind of injury he was dealing with. But even when he was in there, he, he didn't look... He didn't look special to me. He he just looked like another guy. Uh, so so he's not one that I'm. Man, I, I'd be surprised honestly if he if he gets drafted high at all. I I think he's got a lot of, a lot to prove still. Yeah, I'm not an L.J. Scott fan. Yeah, I I, I want to be, but I just man, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was it was a rough watch, and it was a little after midnight, and I was getting ready for bed, and I thought. I'm not sure this was worth it, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, just cause I, yeah, I wanted to see Sparty pull it off, but not so tonight. So let's, let's look at some of the spreads, um, for next week and, and see if there's anything where, where we want to, where we want to put our money. And, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me where I go when I place my bet. So I just want everyone to know that if you want a good place to go, the truth is the truth is simple. You know who you think is going to win. So you got to check out my bookie. Remember, when you're betting, it's not just important who you bet on, it's who you bet with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, you guys. They're the best bet this season. They've been they've been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. It's that simple. They have in-game live betting, which is really really awesome. Um, it's a lot of fun, especially when games start getting out of control. You can still find some way to make it interesting. Um, and the most rewarding player perks in the business are for you and the fantasy guys out there. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each and every game. So join now on my bookie, and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code ROTOVIZ to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code RotoViz when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Matt, let's look at some of the games. One of the games I wanted to talk about with you and kind of see what, where you were leaning was Oklahoma at Iowa State. And the reason I want to talk about this game is because it gives us an excuse to talk about the man, Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler Murray is... Uh, taken over for uh, Khalil Tate as the most fun player in college football right now. Totally. Um, that game yesterday was just so much fun to watch him play. And it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, I see why he wanted to come back, even though he just made millions of dollars to go be a center fielder. Right. Um, he's so much fun. It Even if you don't necessarily think he's the greatest quarterback, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> but... I mean, he's got, he will run. He will make, he is a threat to run on every single play. And I mean, some of his passes are just bullets and they look, you can tell that he's going to be a good center fielder one day. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's crazy. And it helps that CD lamb literally catches anything thrown within 
10 feet of him because there was nothing that he could throw anywhere around him and that wasn't getting caught. Yeah, he was he was impressive. One of the catches that he made didn't count because he like landed out of bounds. Did you see it? But he still just made this unbelievable Odell Beckham-like catch, one-handed. And uh, I was like, that boy knows what he's doing out there. That man can catch. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be spending a lot of time watching C.D. Lamb for the next few weeks because they're fun. So the the line came out at 17 and a half at Iowa State. What do you think? If I'm leaning on it, I would I, – oh. They're not going to lose to Iowa State, but that's a big-ish number. Iowa State is kind of one of those teams. They've been doing it for the past few years. They just turn games a little bit ugly. Oh, yeah. They're they're sloppy. They, they, they yeah. like making people trudge through the mud. Especially now. So the news came out literally like 10 minutes before we started recording this podcast that Rodney Anderson, the star running back for Oklahoma, is out for the year, which isn't fun. No, that's, but, a, that's a real bummer. He looks so good. Yeah. But so I, I can't get away with not answering the question. I probably still take Oklahoma and give the points because this is one of those games where if Kyler Murray starts, if if it starts going, it's going to turn fa- ugly fast. And that's where I kind of think where I just can't bet against the better offense. And Lincoln Riley's going to score points. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I've got Oklahoma highlighted on this one. I think, too, Iowa State – if they can keep you close early, it's going to be one of those ugly, messy games that you got to squeak out. But I think Oklahoma comes out fast. They score early, and Iowa State, in trying to play catch-up, ends up turning the ball over, making a few mistakes. Oklahoma takes advantage and ends up winning by, I think, about 24 points is my is my bet. I mean, Florida Atlantic proved that even a good offense is going to struggle against Oklahoma's defense. They're just... They're ridiculously good athletes. So if Iowa State gets behind and starts chasing, they're in for a long night. Yeah. Okay. So we both we both like Oklahoma, and that's I mean that's a big spread. So um, I, I I'm a little bit nervous about it, but but I like it. I'm going with it anyway. Well, I, I want to give you a few minutes. This is probably um, a little bit more uh, scary for me. Uh, because it's an even bigger number, but Alabama minus 22 and a half at Ole Miss. What do you think? Oh, I'm torn on this one because I don't think this is the best Alabama defense. And I say this knowing that they've crushed teams the past or the first couple of weeks. I don't think this is the best defense they've had. And Ole Miss has the best wide receiver core in the country. And it's not close. AJ Brown, DeMarcus Lodge and DK Metcalf, would be the number one. Each one of them would be a number one on any other team in the country, pretty much. And they're they're all together. With and, that Jordan, all being, and Jordan can sling it to them too. Yeah, yeah. Ta- I I always say his name. I'm just gonna that's say Tamu. I, that's I think why I it's just right. said Jordan, so I didn't have to try <laughs> to say his last name. Yeah, I, if I'm he's not gonna make like critical errors at this point because he it's another one of those throw it near them and most of them are going to come down with it yeah so i don't think they're going to be able to run the ball at all but at that same time they might put up a bunch of yards 22 and a half is a lot it's a lot i have kind of a rule of not to bet against nick saban unless he's playing against ohio state and then i will absolutely bet against nick saban but yeah i mean i think i'd lean alabama just out of fear and respect, but I would not be feeling comfortable and I would not be laying a big bet down on that game. 
Yeah, so I I'm I'm going Ole Miss here. I think that the points are, I mean, twenty two and a half. I mean, three touchdowns plus. I think it could be a bit of a trap game with Texas A and M coming up the following week. Ole Miss, like you said, they've got a great receiving core. I think they'll be able to score enough points to. I don't necessarily think they're going to keep it close. But Ole Miss is a team that they, their starters are, are good. They've got a good offensive line. Now they don't have a whole lot of depth. But they're they're starting eleven are, are are tough guys, so I am going to go with Ole Miss here, um, but only because the spread is massive. Um, if it was anything less than three score, like three touchdowns, I I, I would take Bama. But with two, 22 and a half, give me Ole Miss. I'm going to be keeping an eye on the total for that one because if it comes out in like the fifties, I'm going to be or even low sixties, I'll probably be on the over. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. So let's let's uh, stay in the SEC. Got LSU at Auburn. Auburn minus Ooh, this 10. One, I get to talk about a former Ohio State player. <laughs> there um, you go. <laughs> so oh, actually, I'm, I'm saving Ohio State for the end for you, buddy. Well, that's fine. But uh, I get Joe Burrow here. And Joe Burrow is the best quarterback that's played at LSU since Jamarcus Russell. And that feels like an insult now <laughs> because Jamarcus Russell turned right. out terrible. But when he was in college, Jamarcus, Jamarcus Russell was awesome. And... Joe Burrow has every skill in the world to be awesome, and he's got good talent around him. It's will Ed Ogeron hold him back. Um, And in that first week, he kind of showed why they were pursuing him so hard. I'm not really a believer in this Auburn team, and if the spread really holds anywhere near 10 points, I will probably be hammering LSU because even though I think Auburn is – maybe the more talented team LSU's defense doesn't really let up a lot of points ever against anyone. And Joe Burrow is good enough to not get run off the field. Yeah. That's the, the that's, those are some good points. And and something you just said that I think is, is really key for our listeners to, to hone in on is you're talking about how, if the, if the spread doesn't move any, and I think betting early in the week, you can have such an advantage because you get to be, you know, the ones that move the the needle, you know, instead of it being moved. So I wouldn't be surprised if this if this line does move um, closer to, you know, I, I'm I'm not sure where it'll end up, but but betting on it early might be a, a good opportunity to get yourself a, c- a couple extra points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it if that line fell anywhere below like seven, I'd be really uncomfortable betting LSU because I could see it being a touchdown win for Auburn, but at the same time that, I mean, it 10 points is a lot. And when it's two teams that are both very good, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to take some points in certain situations. And this is one of my grab the points situ- moments. Yeah. And Brissett has looked really good so far this year. Um, oh, he carried the them ball. this past game. Yeah. He's looked good. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I actually, you convinced me. I, I, I was, I was pretty, torn on this one um the main reason i was leaning towards auburn was just because they're at home and i, I figured that would be enough, a big enough boost and and stidham looks looked really good um i watched every second of that washington game and i was impressed by him but 10 point you convinced me i i think i'm gonna lean lsu as well i did it <laughs> you did it now i now i'm gonna i'm gonna be so mad at you if it turns out <laughs> but, oh if that's a blowout you can you can i'll be me i'll be hitting your mentions man i'll be i'll be i'll be tweeting you so hard 
Um, speaking of Washington, they're getting six and a half at Utah. Um, I, I'm a li- living in Seattle for the last three years. I've become uh, a Jake Browning. I don't even know what. I love him and hate him all at the same time. I think he's awesome and terrible all at the same time. Uh, it all depends on who he's playing against. I think he's going to be able to roll up Utah pretty pretty easily. Um, I love Chico McClatcher, healthy now. Um, short little, I mean, he used to be, like he started out as a running back, little scat back, and now they're playing him exclusively at wide receiver. The dude is fast. I think they're going to find him in space. Then you've got Fuller, Jones, Pounds. You've got a really, really solid receiving core. I think they're going to be able to to win by 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 a touchdown at Utah. Um, Utah looks sluggish versus North Illinois. I mean, Kyle Whittingham, their coach, said, we're a pretty average football team right now. And when your coach is saying that, um, I think there's a little bit of truth to it as well. And I just think Washington's going to be able to beat them. What, what do you think, Matt? I, I actually am pretty in on Washington as well. It's funny to say that I came away really impressed with the team in a loss, but I was impressed with them in a loss against Auburn. That's They went down to Atlanta performed very admirably and was were in that game until the final moments and they have another one of i love running backs but they have one of my favorite running backs in the country uh miles gaskin oh he's he's a man he's i i don't know he's gonna end up this year with 1400 yards rushing i'm not sure where the yards are gonna come from but he's gonna end up with 1400 yards rushing because that's what he does and you put him up against an average team this it's gonna be a lot of they can score points and I think the word you were looking for to describe your feelings about uh, Jake Browning is you're a Jake Browning observant because you can see him and that just makes you hate him and love him <laughs> yeah. because he does he has the best plays and he has the worst plays and so uh, they're gonna score enough points uh, that's one that I definitely get in there early because that line will probably shift and it, I would guess that one will end up over a touchdown by the end of the week yeah and i I love miles gaskins too i was surprised he came back this year i thought he might leave there was some talk about it but yeah he he looks the part and i think too if jake browning does struggle say he throws a couple early picks they've got so much quarterback depth in washington that (laughs) i wouldn't be i wouldn't be too worried about it they're a team that i'd love to see them go to a two quarterback system too just so that you can avoid some of browning's um oopsies that that take place I mean, Hayner came in and went seven for seven yep. this past week. So yeah, <laughs> he, he looked he looked real good. All right, now now the moment you've been waiting for since we started, we get to talk about Ohio State. They got they get twelve and a half at TCU. I mean, this is a neutral site game, and I'm throwing the biggest air quotes of my life around I neutral know, right? site Arlington. because it's um. Oh man, we're in Texas, but it's neutral. <laughs> yeah, it's about uh, thirty miles away, I think. Something, yeah. So I, I mean, home field advantage for TCU. I kind of don't care. My uh, biggest concern at the beginning of the year for TCU was they actually defensively were pretty solid and pretty stout. And then right before the season started, uh, they lost their star defensive tackle, like a week before the season for the year. And at that moment, I kind of stopped being worried about this game being a win because it's, yeah, even though I'm still terrified of Gary Patterson, the coach, I uh, there's so much talent on this Ohio State offense that I honestly think they can score on any team in the country, and I think they can score 50 on any team in the country. So the question then becomes, can TCU score 
38 on Ohio State. And they better have a really good offensive line because Nick Bosa is going to come fast. And if you somehow slow down Nick Bosa because you're double teaming him, then on the other side, Chase Young is is right there with him. So, shocker, I'm going to uh, take Ohio State, and I think that number would have to climb to like 15 for me to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, so it doesn't doesn't scare you that college game day is going to be there? All the all the hype no. and excitement, all the festivities. No, I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm, ex- gonna have- I'm excited for this game. Um, I think the first half is going to be really, really exciting and interesting. I could see it being similar to what happened um, with the Georgia game this this week, where the first half is is competitive. I think Ohio State will come out fast, and it'll take TCU a minute to get back in it. But with the home field advantage, like you said, I think they'll be able to climb back in it. I think Sean Robinson is a good quarterback. He's a dual threat guy. He's going to make some plays with his legs. I can see them scrapping back into it. But I think into the third and fourth quarter, Ohio State's talent is just gonna it's just gonna be too much for them. I think Haskins is gonna have a huge game. I don't know which of which of Ohio State's running back is gonna go cra- crazy, but it'll probably be both <laughs> of them. Um, so I actually I'm, I'm going with Ohio State as well on this one. And but but I think it will be entertaining for a while. I think it will be not until the fourth quarter where Ohio State gets up by by two touchdowns. I, I think they end up winning the game really comfortably though. This this will be a game of, I think it, it's it's a game of attrition in the sense of Ohio State really does like, not that many teams in the country can say oh well we've got Mike Weber who can just pound the ball down on anyone in the country and he's probably one of the better running backs in the country. Oh we also have J.K. Dobbins and they just rotate them and they never get tired yeah. at running back and their line. I don't think this is the greatest offensive line we've ever had at Ohio State, but it's pretty solid. It's it's fine. And then there's about seven wide receivers on the team that are all capable of scoring on at any given moment. So and Haskins looks awesome so far. I mean, they haven't had any they haven't had a, any huge tests yet, but he's he's looked really really good. I mean, he when he stepped in against Michigan last year for them, it it was kind of that moment where everyone kind of like they were just kind of reminded that quarterbacks can throw the ball deep because i love jt barrett he was one of my favorite players that has ever come through this he couldn't throw the ball more than 15 yards ever it was always underthrown if he went deep haskins can make any pass on the field and not it's it's kind of funny because you'd think by doing that he's one of those guys that's just like forcing these like power shots kind of like cam does on all his throws they're just a million miles an hour and he doesn't he kind of does them with touch it's been impressive so far. It'll be interesting because this will definitely be the best coach they've gone against because Gary Patterson doesn't make make major mistakes ever. So right. I'm nervous, but I'm going to tell myself I'm not nervous. I, I would definitely give uh, 12.5 for Ohio State. And like I said, I probably would go over two touchdowns because I think it'll end up being a three-score game. Probably about 17 is about where I would say, if I had to put this out there, I, I would say they probably win by about 17. I like it, Matt. I like it. Again, you can get in my mentions when I'm wrong. No, no, no. I, I think I, I agree with that. That one you didn't have to convince me on. I was already there on that one. The only one you're, that I'm going to be yelling at you for is LSU. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks so much, uh, Matt, for those insights because uh, I uh, I feel a lot more confident with uh, – with placing my bets now. So, 
I'm glad to help. Yeah. Um, so, so that's going to do it for us this week. Matt, remind everyone where they can find you. Find me on Twitter at WispyTheKid. And I'm StayFunLaco on Twitter. Please check us out. And then do us a favor rate and review the show be sure to subscribe and be contacting us via the twitters uh because we'd love to we'd love to talk to you guys 